We're going to look at a guy today in the Bible, the Old Testament. His name is Gideon. Now, most of you undoubtedly have heard of Gideon or Gideon Bibles and um, even got a reference in uh, Mission Impossible 1. I don't know if you know that or not. Tom Cruise, I think, was, was the character there that said they're looking for the Bible or something. He said, thanks for the Gideon. Thank you, Gideons. Anyway, um, the Gideons, just to give you a quick little blurb on that, the Gideons were started in 1899 by three traveling businessmen. Uh, and uh, I, I never could find, and I looked at their website and everything else, um, they, they don't really tell why they chose the name Gideon. But they were praying together, and they decided they're going to do this organization of passing out Bibles, and they're going to call themselves, name themselves after Gideon in, in the book of Judges in the Old Testament. So I don't know why they called themselves Gideon. It's a good name. And um, as it turns out, he was a good guy. He had some struggles. We're going to see those in just a minute. But uh, that's, that's, that's the guy in the Old Testament named Gideon. He was a judge. There's this, there this book in the Old Testament called Judges. This was before Israel had a king. And the judges would rule over, at different times in the history of Israel, they would rule over Israel. Um, we're going to look, in two weeks, we're going to look at another judge of Israel, uh, leader of Israel. His name was Samson. He had issues as well. But uh, today we're talking about Gideon. And uh, Gideon is, he's an interesting guy. And, and, I, and I say heroic prayer. Let me give you what heroic prayer is, and then I'll kind of expand the story a little bit for you so you can kind of see what we're talking about here. There are many things I might add. There are many things about Gideon that we could talk about. Uh, I have, we could, seriously, I could do a whole series on Gideon, um, but we're just going to just major on one aspect of his life, of his character, that I want you to see some of his, some of his issues. When we talk about heroic prayer, what are we talking about? This is a little crude, so hang on, but it's, 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 it's a good description of heroic prayer. Heroic prayer is spilling your guts, praising your God, and, and asking for vigor or valor or courage, or strength, or whatever. Um, that's what he- heroic prayer is. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment, but you're going to see snippets of that kind of prayer in the life of Gideon as we talk about that. Whenever we talk about prayer, it's always a good thing to think, kind of get us going here and think about a few things. I always like to use two or three different quotes that, that help me, and um, my thinking is that it, w- it will help you. Uh, Max Lucado, a writer of uh, many different kinds of Christian books, um, says this, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. I like that. Philip Yancey in uh, Disappointment with God. The people who related to God best, Abraham, Moses, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, treated him with startling familiarity. They talked to God as if he were sitting in a chair beside them, as one might talk to a counselor, a boss, a parent, or a lover. They treated him like a person. Sometimes I think we lose that when we pray, and sometimes it's because you know, we're used to, used to hearing maybe the minister pray or somebody, a father or somebody else pray, and they pray in a certain way, a certain tone, which is fine for them. But sometimes we, we think that that's, that that's how we have to pray. And, and really, there's no, there's no incorrect way to pray except not to. So um, that's, uh, I, I've always liked that quote to kind of help me a bit too. And then, of course, I'm not going to d- deal with a subject like prayer without giving you a C.S. Lewis quote. Um, what seem our worst prayers may really be in God's eyes our best. Those, I mean, which are at least supported by devotional feeling. For these may come from a deeper level than feeling. God sometimes seems to speak to us 
most intimately when he catches us, as it were, off our guard. I like that because it's so true. Sometimes our best prayers are those that we don't, we're not thinking, oh, I need to go pray. We just start kind of spilling our guts out to God. Um, more about that in a moment. Right now, I want to tell you about a dirty little secret about heroic prayer. Got your attention, didn't I? Right? A dirty little secret about heroic prayer. It comes from dirty, little, weak-kneed, flawed people, often with a penchant for wrongdoing and ineffective living. That's what it comes from. And we're going to see that example right now. Um, heroic prayer comes from pretty unheroic people. Part of our purpose in doing this whole thing, Heroes of the Faith, was to show you these heroes of the faith were very, very human-like people. And in some cases, and next week, Clay's going to deal with one that you're going to wonder how in the world this lady got even mentioned in the Bible as a person of faith. I mean, she was a prostitute, basically. He's going to talk about that. It's a pretty, pretty great story, really, part of, the, part of the Israel's history. But um, part of our purpose was to show you heroic faith is really, and heroic prayer comes from unheroic people with all kinds of issues. Um, it's, it's people whose faith can be pretty weak. It's people whose faith can be pretty sporadic. It can be full of doubts. It can even be a little, I had to make up a word for this. It can, it can be a little weenie-fied. I mean, they, and, and I, I, that's the only word I could think of when I think of when I was reading through again for another, you know, I've read through the story of Gideon many times, but God, he just was kind of a weenie. I mean, and you'll see that in just a minute. It just, you know, he, he got, he got, he came out of that weeniedom, if that's the right word, but, but, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing. But here's the other issue. People like this, people with weak faith, let's keep it that way. People with weak faith are still blessed by God and they still can accomplish great things. So having said that, let me jump into this whole narrative in in the book of Judges and just talk for a little bit about it, about Gideon. Gideon, now let me tell you what's going on here. Um, Israel at this point in time hasn't had a judge, a leader, over the, over the nation of Israel for a n- number of years. And they have been oppressed during those years by a group of people called the Midianites. The Midianites were really, a, they're a nomadic tribe, but when you think of a nomadic tribe, you think of you know, some kind of a little warlord leading around 20 or 30 or 100 guys. This particular nomadic tribe was thousands upon thousands upon thousands because the Bible later says that just their camels alone you, were more than the sand and the seashore. In the, in, the, in, the, in the shore, which means they weren't speaking of the Jersey Shore. But they, they were saying there's more, more camels than sand in the, on, the, on the seashore, uh, which means you, they, they, they couldn't count them. And that's the camels. And they had more people than that. That's, the Midian, that's this Midianite army. And every year at harvest time, they would come into, uh, into the Israelis' countryside and take all their, all their food, all their animals, all their... All their uh, Supplies for the, uh, for the winter and so forth. So they were, they were not good people. Um, they were people who worshipped idols, the kind of idols that people would sacrifice children to, among other things. So this is just not a very nice bunch of people. Understanding that, we, we, we jump into this, this particular narrative, and here's Gideon. And uh, here he is, and here he's out doing his thing. We ch- we're picking it up in chapter 6. By the way, it's chapter 6 and 7 in uh, the book of Judges. I'd invite you to go home and read the whole thing. We're not going to be able to do it today. 
But here we go. We're in chapter 6, verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came, I'll tell you who that is in a second, and sat beneath the oak tree at Oprah. There she is right here. She's in the Bible too. She's in the Bible. She elects presidents. She has a popular TV show. She's in the Bible. My gosh. This woman's everywhere. Actually, this is not a person. This is a place. And I, I don't know. I don't know enough about Oprah. Maybe her family named her after this. I don't, that's, very, that's very possible. But anyway, here they are by Oprah, this, uh, in this area of Oprah, which, which belonged to Joash of the clan of, Abi, of Abiezer. Gideon, the son of Joash, watch what he's doing here, had been threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Angel of the Lord is what we call a pre-incarnate view of, of Christ, pre-incarnate before he's born a few hundred years later. He comes down, he makes his appearance as an angel of the Lord, probably looked like an angel of the Lord with all the radiant light and so forth, and he says, hero. And you know what Gideon did, don't you? You know, who are you talking to? He's hiding from the Midianites. He's hiding so he doesn't get taken captive. He's hiding so his food won't be taken by the Midianites. Um, not exactly where you would find what you would think to be a hero to be, but this is God, so he knows what he's talking about. So, look what Gideon says. Sir, Gideon replied, verse 13, if, this is a great little passage here, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord has brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. He kind of reminds me of, um, if you ever saw Fiddler on the Roof, I love that play. Uh, and and Ratavia is there, you know, and, and he's walking around saying, Oh, Lord, I know we are your chosen people. Maybe next time you could choose somebody else, you know. You know that? That's pretty good Ratavia, isn't it? That's not too bad. Yeah. Um, I've watched that movie and play enough that I can... Several lines from it. Anyway, that's kind of what was going on here. He's like, I, you know, I know we have your favor, but hey, could you favor us a little less? You know, um, what, what Gideon didn't say here was how they had, as a, as a people, had turned their back on God over and over and over again. And they had gotten into the idol worship as well. They were, they were just as much in it as some of, as some of the people in that area. They had, they had Asherah poles, which is, Asherah was, a, was a, another false god. Just an awful, I say that, and I, I, I don't just an awful god. Is there, a, is there a good false god? Well, I mean, at least some that maybe you wouldn't be sacrificing children to, but all these were just, all that kind of stuff. And um, just, and worse. So, so that had infiltrated the Israelites, and that's why God had tried to get their attention and said, you know, I'm going to let these guys come and wipe you out until you start turning back to me. And, and um, finally they do, but they, you know, it goes back and forth and back and forth. So anyway, that's what Gideon says. And then he says in verse 15, Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. That's the, the bigger tribe, one of the 12. And I am the least in my entire family. So we've we got a few self-image problems going on here, right? Don't have a lot of confidence. I'm not the guy to do this, you know? I'm kind of, I mean, does he know he's weak and, and, and kind of lame? Yeah, he, he does. And he's willing to admit it. Then Gideon said to God, verse 36, if you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, 
Prove it to me this way. This, this, by the way, takes place after, this is, I'm skipping down a few verses. This takes place after God has already given him one sign. Uh, by when he said he was going to have a, a, a sacrifice, a, uh, the, the, according to their tradition of sacrifice, and before he ever got the chance, God just, boom, started this thing on fire, and uh, sort of fire from heaven. So, so he's pretty, got to be pretty impressed that God meant what he said. So here he is again. Gideon says to God, if you're really going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put some wool on the, on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know what you're going to, you're going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And it happened just that way. When Gideon got up the next morning, he squeezed the fleece, wrung out the whole bowl full of water. He's not done yet. Verse 39, then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. And don't you, you know, it just shows the Love of God, really, because I wouldn't do that. If I was God, I'd say, you know what? I'm taking it somewhere else. Boom. You know, I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, this just shows how incredible God is, his patience, his love, his compassion for us. So here, Gideon says, okay, please don't be angry with me, God. Let me make one more request. This time, let the, feast, excuse me, let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet. Just the opposite. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. This has become known in many circles, many Christian circles, as laying down a fleece. It's almost become a, a term for, for some people um, in the Christian faith who, who say, they're deciding, is this the guy for me to marry, or is this the woman for me to marry, or is this, is this the job that I should take? Well, I'm going to lay down a fleece. This is what they are referring to. And a, lot, a lot of people don't have any idea what they're saying. It's become sort of commonplace to say that in some circles, and uh, they may or may not even know what the Bible teaches about it. But that's called laying down a fleece. And I'm going to show you something, and maybe you've already seen it. Um, that's not the way to live. Okay. And I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit, um, but I'm going to say this, and I want to say this again, and that is this. Um, that was never God's intention. Now, hang on to that thought. Let me tell you the rest of the story of Gideon, just very quickly, uh, without going into chapter uh, uh, 7. Just tell you what happens. He does deliver the children of Israel out of the hands of the Midianites. He starts out, they, have, they don't have a draft, they have a call to arms. 33,000 troops show up. 33,000. Get these numbers, okay? 33,000 show up. God all the time is talking to Gideon and, and telling him what to do. And, and God says, Gideon is too many because I want people to see that it, that it is God who delivered them, not just the might, of, not the might of an army. So he says, I want you to kind of get that down a little bit. So with the 33,000 people, he says, all right, anybody that's kind of afraid to fight or a little timid, uh, you can go home. 22,000 leave, Okay. <laughs> 22,000, I'm out of here, man. I'm going home. I mean, which is kind of interesting. And that was fine. And then, so now, he's, he's um, no, I'm sorry, 10,000 leave. He's got 22,000 left. That's the way, yeah. Anyway, so he's got to get more down. I may have that backwards. I forgot. Anyway, I just read this this morning. Um, and what happens then, he's, he's got to get it down again. He, the end of the story is this. God wants him to have a, tro- a troop, a training, train troops of 300 people. So it goes from 33,000 to 22,000 to 300, like that. 300 against an army that's, that you can't even count the number of. 
And then what happens, he's very strategic. He divides his 300 men into three different camps, and they have a strategic assault. And you read all about it in chapter 7. It's pretty interesting. And they win the battle, and they have their enemy in total confusion, use some, uh, use some smarts to do that, and deliver the Israelites. Uh, and as long as, uh, as long as Gideon was alive, he then remained the judge or the ruler of Israel, and uh, they lived in peace for a number of years after that, 30, 40, 50 years after that. So it's kind of a cool story. But let's go back, because I'm really troubled by this, this part here that we're looking at and, and judges, these, uh, verses 36 through 40 particularly, um, because too many times, too many people base their spiritual life, whether they know the term or not, on this thing of laying a fleece before God. Or, you know, what basically you're saying is, I'm, I want a sign, is what you're saying. Um, and the reason... And you got to hear this. The reason that Gideon's prayer was heroic wasn't because it worked, because it did work. Can't get, get around that. But it was because it was honest. And it came from a, a, a weak, a weak heart, an insecure guy who wasn't real sure of his faith. And, and, and it worked. But, but here's the deal. This, this, this fleece concept of prayer... I'll say it that way. The fleece concept of prayer is, is driven by weakness. It's driven by insecurity and doubt. And it is never the act of a growing, mature faith. It's not. You know, and that's the issue here that we have to stop and really think about. When one, when one asks for tangible signs, you're treading on dangerous grounds. Because does God, does God always answers, answer prayers that way? Sometimes, but not always. And in my experience and the experience of many that I've known over the years, not very often. Does it happen? Yes. I was talking about this this morning. Somebody after the, after the early service said it happened to them. A guy, um, I don't know if he's here or not. No, he's not here. Um, and it wouldn't matter if he was, I'd say it. But uh, he, he was still, he was debating on whether to give his life to Christ or not many years ago. Because he was just, just a hard-living heathen, you know, the whole thing. And he was just saying, I want to turn my life over to God. He was, decide, he was thinking about that. He said, in fact, and he was in some place, he says, if my friend who's been talking to him about faith pulls up in the car in the next 10 minutes, I'll do that. He wasn't supposed to be there. Well, he did pull up in the next 10 minutes. And the guy says, okay, here I go, you know. Um, did, did that work? Well, it did in that case. Is that going to happen for everybody? No, it's not. Not even 50% of the time, probably. And this is an issue that we have to really stop and think through because if your life is based on a series of, of signposts or map posts when you pray or, or, or that you pray for, you're going, to be, you're going to be unstable. You're going to develop an almost false faith. And at best, you're going to be dysfunctional and emotionally crippled believer. And, and, and you know, you've got to think through it. You cannot reduce, you cannot reduce a life of faith to a series of signs that's going to leave you unstable. And really, it's, it's almost superstition. And that, that becomes an issue then. Well, i got to have a sign. Well, where does faith come in here? You know, praying to God is a conversation. It's asking for wisdom. It's asking for growth. It's asking for righteousness. Um, you know, and those conversations are to be full of thanksgiving, thanking God, as well as, well as full of wonder. So I want to go back to this statement that I made in the beginning as we see from, from the life of, of Gideon and we see, we see it in his life. 
historic prayer or heroic prayer is, is spilling your guts, praising your God, and asking for, for vigor, valor. I know it's different, but it, it's all that. Um, let me break that down for you a moment. Heroic prayer is, again, I'm sorry for the, uh, the term spilling your guts, but I just couldn't figure out another way to say it quite so descriptively, you know? And here's what I mean by spilling your guts. It's just bringing your concerns, your sins, your almost sins to God and thanking Him for His forgiveness. Name some of those sins to God. Not to name them to me, you know, or, or, or anybody else, but God. Name them and say, God, you know what I did? Those words that I said today, what I did to that person, that was just, please forgive me. He will. But be honest. That's confession. You know, Bible tells us, uh, cast all your cares upon, uh, upon Christ because he cares for you. Peter tells us that. So it's, 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 it's all of those things. It's temptations. It's um, just concerns about my kids, concerns about my family, concerns about my job right now and the economy, concerns about who's going to be president, whatever it is. You know, put those, you know, just, that's just spilling your heart out to God. That's what it amounts to. That's what prayer is. There's no inappropriate prayer. There's no, you know, it's just that there's no limits on prayer. And sometimes people, I think, think they have to be polite and, you know, Sunday schoolish and their prayers are, you know, not, not, not too messy. Well, let them be messy because God knows your heart anyway. Heroic prayer is just spilling your heart and your guts to God. It's praising God. Now, this is the other thing I want you to see. Praising God. You give thanks for His character. Not just thanking Him for the things that He's done, but you, but you praise God for His character, for who He is. Tell you how you can think about this. Think about this with your mate. You ever, you ever, you know, it's a nice thing if you do this, if you tell your mate, hey, you're the best, honey, you're the best. You're, you do this well, you do this well, and you do this well. It's, I'm so thankful for your ability to... To cook and iron or whatever it is. I'm so thank I'm so good, you know, and I'm so grateful for your ability to to do your job or whatever your job is and your when you work and bring in a good living and all. I'm so th- you know that's all good stuff. But you know what? Let me take that special level with your mate. Sometimes it's good just to say, you know what? I really like how you care about people. I really like how you care about our kids. I really individual qualities that, 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 your, that your mate had. Not just what they do, but individual qualities. That's, that's a good exercise to do, by the way, with your wife or your husband and kids and parents and friends or whomever. I'm saying do that with God. God, I'm so grateful that you're... I mean, I pray this all the time. God, I'm so, I'm so thankful for your grace. I mean, I pray this all the time because I need it all the time. God's grace. I'm so thankful that God's a gracious God. Otherwise, there wouldn't be room for rebels like me. And you, I might add. But I'm right there. So praise God. Give thanks for his character, as well as the things that he does. And then asking for vigor, or courage even, or, or valor, whatever is needed, strength at the time. This is what Gideon did each time. He step along the way. He starts out, I'm weak, God. Well, I, want I, I can't do this. He's just spilling his heart out to God. And then he, 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 he has an act of worship to God with, with a, a sacrifice that takes place, which was their religious uh, symbol of thanksgiving and so forth. And then, and then he says, God, I've got to have courage, man. I need it. I'm, I'm not, I'm, 
this is not the, this is not the stuff of which a hero is made. Or was it that Thomas More said before King Henry took off his head? This is not the stuff of a martyr. <laughs> he was, but um, you know, just just pray and ask God to give you that strength and that courage for whatever the situation may be. Here's my point. Here's what I want you to. This is this is this is the big thing here, and don't miss it. Heroic prayer is spilling your guts, praising your God, and asking for vigor and help. That's what it is. It's not about asking for signs. It's not about asking for different map posts to help me know what to do. Where does faith come into that? Can I do that on occasion? You know what? I'm not going to give you permission to do that. You're going to do it. And when you do, sometimes God might answer that. And if that happens, you're welcome to shoot me an email and say, ha, 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 ha. I prayed for this and it happened. And I'll be, I'll, I'll be happy for you. But my concern is when those things don't happen. That doesn't mean that God is absent. That doesn't mean that God doesn't answer your prayer. Okay? And that's an issue. That's a huge issue. I'll give you one last thought. Eugene Peterson, translator of the message in a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I love his name, just love the name of the book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. He said this, All the persons of faith I know are sinners, doubters, uneven performers. We are secure not because we are sure of ourselves, but because we trust that God is sure of us. I love that thought. And on that, may we be people who will trust in God all the time with who we are, with what we're doing. May we spill our heart. May we praise Him. And then may we seek the strength that we need. Let me pray that in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. God, we, uh, I thank you for, for the ability to, to look and see some of these valuable, valuable truths. I pray, God, that each person here as they leave, would think about the fact that it's not a matter of the signs or the lack of signs that's going to strengthen their lives spiritually. It's that day-by-day relationship with the Lord God, with you, because you care for us about every detail of our lives. Help us to remember that as we leave here. Pray for each person in that way. I thank you for your love and for your grace for all of us. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.